Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast, Wednesday, October 17th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is a site. DFSR.com for short. DFSR.com slash deals. Gets you that free three-day trial for the podcast listener, $24.95 instead of $29.95, so $5 off. Uh, that's uh, free for three days, and then you get covered for optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings, NBA, of course. We cover NFL as well in our main subscription package, premium chat, premium content. It's all there, $24.95 for podcast listeners. DFSR.com slash deals will get you started, and you're all good to go. I'm going to give a quick warning here. We are recording this a day early. Uh, we're recording this for the Wednesday slate, so if we don't comment on Tuesday's basketball game, assume everything went perfectly, and uh, <laughs> the NBA, is, as always, just works out exactly the way you would expect. But if we don't comment on yesterday's you know, games from the opening night, it's just because, because of time scheduling. We are covering this a day early, and I'll add some stuff in the show notes if there's stuff that we need to cover um, that comes up along the way, because NBA news is fluid as we've already seen to start the early season. All right, so Wednesday is when we really get into it here. Um, go back and listen to our Tuesday podcast if you want to go back and listen to our thoughts on some of the FanDuel scoring and whatnot. But Wednesday is when things really kind of kick off with a majority of the games going down. We're going to roll through these game by game. Some of these games have more DFS implications than others. That's going to be the case for most of the season. Some of these teams play so slow have so few guys, are tanking early, whatever. You know how it goes with NBA. Uh, so if we spend some more time on uh, some teams than others, then you don't know why. I'll try to cover some of the offseason moves as well and how we think it affects, uh, sort of affects things going forward. So Memphis and Indiana start off. Memphis, the big change for them is they get Conley back. Uh, they get, they traded for, or excuse me, they signed Kyle Anderson in the offseason. And then Indiana really doesn't change much at all except they bring in Tyreek Evans to kind of come in off the bench do you see with the way FanDuel and DraftKings are pricing things pretty fairly based on last year's stats do we see when we see teams like this that haven't moved all that much I guess Conley coming back but other than that haven't moved all that much are we getting any value is it possible to get any value on these teams or these do these teams strike you as needing to either a play poorly for a little while to get some cheaper pricing or sort of sustain an injury early and then we can get a punt play in because I'm not totally seeing it from this game. Well, yeah. So I think there's a lot going on there. The first thing is that we can talk about the major ways we get value in DFS, NBA. And, you know, especially if you're coming over from football or baseball or whatever else is your first season doing DFS, NBA, you might not be familiar with this. So we can kind of start with the basics, which is you touched on a couple of them already. Um, new opportunity is probably the biggest way someone will come onto our radar in the NBA, uh, as in a starter gets hurt and you become the starter. Uh, if you play poorly for a while, you can see a slight depression in price. Those ones always feel a little bit awkward because you never quite know if someone's playing poorly because they're bad now or because uh, right. they've been unlucky. You know, there are some indicators we can follow, like, you know, running bad from three tends to be luck based uh, versus like 
you know, never getting any rebounds anymore could be an indicator of an injury or what have you. Uh, but the third one is matchup. And we will play fairly priced guys in good matchups because the sites, FanDuel and DraftKings anyway, tend not to price correct too often based on matchups. So, you know, like we'll talk about the Houston New Orleans game later, but the guys on Houston will probably be the same price against New Orleans as they are in their future games, except for New Orleans was one of the very best matchups in the league last year. So, you know, Houston does have some shakeups going into this season, but even if they didn't, you'd probably still play Harden, even though his price was the same, right? So uh, as the season goes along and prices will tend to normalize, things will become more matchup based. Early in the season, we're probably trying, like if you really want to find those diamonds in the rough, those big tournament high finishes, if you can be the one who can read the tea leaves and figure out how these teams are going to change their opportunity first, that's where a lot of money is going to be made early on. So yeah, and when we look at pace and matchup, this these are two teams that played at the bottom, very bottom uh, or slowest yep. paces in the league last year. Memphis was third slowest, and Indiana was I don't know, uh, yeah, seventh slowest. So yeah, they were when you're too. looking at yeah, when you're just looking at these two very slow teams, really defensively efficient. Obviously, Memphis gets better with Conley, does get better with Anderson on defense as well. I'll say they have some interesting rookies that are probably going to come into play more if there is an injury, and inevitably they're. These are two teams, you know, Conley. We've seen a lot of injuries here in the past. Uh, but and, and I will say, too, the Grizzlies are a little different this year. I do think they are trying to win. So last year, the minutes could be all over the place um, because they just kind of knew down the stretch that they were that they were out of it. I don't think that's their plan this year. Signing Anderson, having Conley back, I think they're at least going to try to make a playoff run. The one thing that could mean is increased minutes around the steady rotation guys in a way that we haven't seen in the past. And I'm not willing to stick my neck out to understand who those guys are. Indiana, we're going to find times to play them. This is probably just not one of those days. And Tyreek Evans' revenge game, by the way, going up against the Grizzlies <laughs> after uh, playing for them for whatever it was, like, like one season last season. So. <laughs> Yo, not, not even, I don't think. He is probably uh, pissed. <laughs> He's ready yeah. to go. So, and like I said, they bring in McDermott, they bring in Tyreek. These guys will probably have some opportunities. But you're not going to play them against a slow team that plays great defense. Definitely not. Next game on the list, uh, Milwaukee and Charlotte. Again, two teams that don't see a ton of turnover. Milwaukee's big turnover is they get a new coach. Coach Bud is now with Milwaukee. I do think that is interesting from how they're going to use. They probably will just inevitably play smarter rotations in a way that they haven't really seen over the last couple of years with Kidd and company. Um, so you're saying get... like they're not going to just jam these guys for huge minutes? Or you, do you think that... Because the reason to play Milwaukee guys in the past, yeah. like you played Middleton, because you could just get 40 minutes out of the guy. Uh, same thing with Giannis when things would run good. Uh, Bledsoe was kind of hit or miss. But So are you saying like we're going to see fewer minutes out of those big names? Or are they going to become you know kind of overpriced because of that? I wouldn't be shocked if we if it comes out in the wash. If we see a few minutes, a minute or two less, and just a better offensive scheme, and so that actually makes up for some of the fantasy huh. scoring, I think. Now, the one change that they did have is they bring in Brooke Lopez yeah, in the really. offseason, and Lopez, for what it's really looked like, could really thrive here, especially if he's shooting threes. He was shooting threes in uh, the preseason. We saw him shooting threes a lot for, uh, for the Lakers last season. This is something that he's added to his game and is pretty good at it. And I think that if they're going to play a stretch five with Giannis, uh, you know, Giannis working down lower, especially getting into the paint, then we could see a lot of fantasy upside. Like Giannis is, it wouldn't shock me to see Giannis's assists kind of increase more just with a more mm-hmm. Just of the more proficient center on the team, that that alone, like the difference between Brook Lopez from an offensive standpoint 
over like John Henson and Thon Maker is pretty significant. So um, again, that you know, we can talk about what that means for them on defense. They probably will be worse with him, and we also don't know how many minutes he's going to play. They do have something of a log jam at center. But um, I do. I, I find this team very interesting. This is probably again not the matchup I want to go overboard. I struggled with. Yeah, what do you think with the minutes? Because we just saw like 38, 37, 38 minutes with Giannis. I it really doesn't seem like that can it's not going to increase at all like do we want to just be maybe a little bearish on, on those minutes for guys like him and Middleton they are going to start Brogdon at the two yeah I mean my my general philosophy early on in the season is when in doubt I would just as soon not play guys in new situations unless there seems to be a huge price deficiency so you know for these teams that have had like even Indiana like I'd like to see how the Tyreek addition changes the usage, right? Like you can throw in these big pieces and a coach is obviously a very big piece and you just can't assume, like especially with someone like Giannis, for all the superstars that are in the same situations or arguably better situations like LeBron or something like that, you don't want to, you don't need to take the risk on these guys in similar situations or where, like you said, the only direction to go is down (laughs) because Giannis was not only playing insane amount of minutes, he was also basically just had his, the ball in his hands constantly for a large portion of the season. And it's just really hard to sustain that. So chances are good. He's either the same or worse. And when that's kind of the outcome matrix that you're looking at, why, why not just avoid it? Nah, probably not. I mean, like I said, or like you said, rather, Jeremy Lamb is a guy who can come in and for stretches and provide fantasy value when everything aligns for him perfectly. But Charlotte's just been one of these teams that's had a difficult time sustaining big time fantasy value. They tend to play their good players similar amounts of minutes, which doesn't create a lot of value. And those players tend not to be super explosive in the first place. So like, you know, we'll play Campbell Walker here and there in the past anyway, when he would be up against the Brooklyn's or New Orleans of the world. But now nah, we're definitely not going to force it in a mediocre matchup with effectively a full slate to pick from here. All right, next game actually does have a lot of DFS implications, and that's Miami goes in and plays Orlando. Miami is coming into this game pretty shorthanded already with injury stuff. James Johnson has been ruled out. Wayne Ellington has been ruled out. Deion Waiters has been ruled out. So that's, I mean, if you just figured at least the Waiters and Johnson piece of it, that is two-fifths of their projected starting lineup going into the season. Uh, is going to sit. And Ellington is a guy who saw enough minutes off the bench that I think we can sort of reapportion some of that. Oh, excuse me, Justice Winslow has also been ruled out as well. Uh, that was the other one. So that is a lot of wings that are not are just coming in day one and not going to play. This is a team that hasn't changed at all. So I think we can actually make some pretty solid observations about what they plan to do. They brought in no, they lost no one and brought in no one, which is the only team <laughs> to really do that. All it's right, not easy we, to we're do. rolling it back. We feel like our team, we're good to go here. <laughs> So what do we want to do here? Because we have Dragic coming back. We have Richardson. Um, Whiteside's a guy we can talk about. Uh, where do you see, I think we have some decent comps. Where do you see as being some of the DFS upside plays, uh, knowing about some of this injury stuff early? Yeah, I mean, last season we saw guys like Tyler Johnson, Rodney Magruder. We saw those guys fill in and get very, very significant minutes. And they shouldn't have too tough a time paying off on a sub $4,000 price tag. Uh, we also saw guys like Dragic and Richardson provide more than enough value on price tags like these with the increased opportunity. So it really seems like there's just a lot to go around here. I don't know how else to put it. Um, I guess like a, a trickier spot might be at the big position because, you know, we saw like it sometimes it didn't even matter who was starting. Sometimes it was James Johnson, but he would play 11 minutes. I think they reached more of a sense of normalcy as the season progressed. Um, you know, I think the big question, I guess, would be 
who gets those James Johnson minutes? Is it going to be a Linux? Will they go like Bam Abadayo for uh, extra minutes? You know, I don't, I don't feel quite as confident on that one. And the price tag on a Linux is a little bit higher, but I think that at those wing positions, basically everyone is in play, particularly whoever gets named the starters. I mean, it's a day ending and why when James Johnson sits in a Linux starts and he disappoints. As a <laughs> that, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like you don't. That's why I feel a lot more confident in the other ones for sure. I, I still like Olenek at, at his price points. I think I'd have no problem. Power forward is always such a difficult position to fill because you need to play two of them on FanDuel. So I think from that point of view, especially if we're going stars and scrubs and we need ways to just pay up for those superstars, Olenek does strike me as a guy that has pretty big upside. And he has a really low floor too. Like so, from the Fanduel knocking a price guy off, like I know that this isn't the perfect strategy because you want to just probably punt completely punt away a spot. But Olinick is a guy that has had big upside when it's all rolling correctly for him. So, Absolutely. Um, right, right now in our system, he is one of the best points per dollar plays. Assuming he gets the start, he's excuse me, he just is the best points per dollar play at power forward. Um, I, I really love Whiteside, man. Uh, the system really likes him. They, I do think their plan is just going to play him a lot. They did, they did it in the preseason, and I know preseason is not a perfect one-to-one comp with what's going to happen, except when it's guys that they're not just like seeing what they have, right? This is just a guy that is a known quantity for them, and to run him a lot of preseason minutes, he played 27, 25, and 24 in the first three games and was basically like a double-double machine. And I know it's preseason, but really I'm most confident. But I'm most confident in the minutes, I think. That's really what it is. We were worried about Whiteside's minutes going into last year. He's been given something of a vote of confidence from Spolstra. They are shorthanded. It wouldn't shock me if he just played 30 minutes a game like to start the season. It doesn't seem outrageous. And if he did, he'd be an easy seventy-five dollars to $8,000 player, right? So. Oh, my God. Easy. Yeah. Like I think he's he's has such upside. Like mm-hmm. He actually is a, another perfect guy for this new FanDuel thing because if you can get a $6,900 player – that has something like seven x up, seven x six to seven x upside oh, yeah. um, on this price, then you lo- you just love this spot. So, and plus, I mean, it's Orlando too. Like they have Vucevic and uh, Mobamba, who the rookie. Neither one. I, this is not a spot where they're going to need to take Whiteside off the court. Like Orlando's not smart enough to figure out way like what Philly did last year, which is like make him get off the court. Like Orlando's not. Yeah, I mean, they can put it on the Vuce. He could he could punish them a little bit, but nonetheless, I, I don't think you want to go crazy trying to worry about stuff like that right like i mean foul trouble it's something you want to account for it should be part of your baseline projections understand the guys that are foul trouble risks you know like boogie cousins is always going to be riskier than lebron james in the same price tag because one will leave the game early more often than the other right but for your especially for like big upside uh for reasons like that i think by and large predicting foul trouble is extremely difficult regardless of who the matchup is so yeah. Orlando basically running back the same team here, um, which is to say they're going to be pretty damn bad again. Yeah. They did bring in Bamba, uh, who looks like he at some point is going to be pretty good. Uh, he's not going to start this season. They're going to start Jonathan Isaac at the small forward as they bring Simmons back, and I think they just yeah. want to play Isaac anyway because he's their young guy. I don't know what you like about yeah, this team. Yeah, you're just not going to go crazy on it. These guys are all ex- kind of expensive anyway, like Fournier, Isaac. Uh, those guys are all in price tiers that – they're just charging you for it, you know? Like, if you want to dream on yep. that upside, you're paying for it. And on a huge slate like this, you can just get more safety elsewhere. I'm curious to know what you think about the point guard situation, though. Um, on FanDuel, <laughs> the only listed point guards are Augustine and Jerry and Grant uh, that have any no, really thanks. realistic chance of playing time. Do you think they split time? Are we just not interested? What are you thinking there? 
I'm just not interested. I, okay. If they played, you know, 24 minutes each, I wouldn't be surprised. It's a terrible matchup against Miami, too. Very slow True. team. Yeah, well, we uh, keep an eye on it. Then I think we we find the minutes. Like we've seen Augustine put up some serious numbers on price tags like these in the past. So if he plays like 30 minutes, even if he's not very good, definitely keep an eye on him going forward. Uh, moving on from this game is another game that has some fantasy implications. Brooklyn goes in and plays Detroit. Detroit, another squad that hasn't done, didn't do a ton in the offseason, but I think we can look at at least their two big guys in Blake and Drummond and say, we know what we have. And I'm actually wondering if these guys are possibly coming at a discount. So Blake didn't play much of the preseason. He did, like, he had some random scratches uh, because of illness or something else. Some, I don't know, weird stuff was going on with him. But from a usage standpoint, do we just see these two guys as basically the whole team this year because we know Brooklyn is still a very good fantasy matchup especially against Sanders like they haven't really done any they haven't done anything to address this um at all do you think we see these guys like uh, Drummond played a lot of preseason minutes and time he was pretty he's he's just kind of typical drum himself we've seen him like 2020 against the Nets before does he make for He's expensive, but is he one of the guys who maybe could like just make a pretty solid point for paying up for here? Yeah, I think either. Um, I'd actually potentially lean Blake here. I, th- I think the 82 price tag is kind of comical, actually, for him in this matchup. I think that's based on, like, I'd be really so curious to just be a fly on the wall uh, when they're trying to come up with either the algorithm or the by-hand version of these initial prices. Because if you look at it on Blake's season last year, yeah, I get that he didn't sustain this price a lot of the time, but a lot of that was just because of like injury stuff you know, playing weird minutes as he was being worked in and out. When he was just healthy and things were going, he was playing like a minimum 36-minute rotation outside of blowups. And if you don't think this is a blowout and you think he plays 36 minutes, he's going to crush his price tag. So, yeah, there's, this is a, this definitely strikes me as a big-time opportunity game. He's one of those mid-tier kind of guys, 8,000 on FanDuel, um, that yeah. could, that just... Mine's you know, up missing if you, if you, out, sure. Exactly, and so, and actually, one other interesting thing about Drummond here, a one mark change for him in the off in the preseason, shot fifteen uh, three pointers in the preseason. Oh no, excuse me, 11, 11 three pointers. Now didn't make any of them, over eleven. But um, he shot, he averaged 0.1 three point attempts per game last year in thirty four minutes, and he was shooting minimum two a game in his preseason numbers. That is a, just a different look. And here's the thing too with that. If that is going, the rebounding numbers didn't seem to take a hit with him moving away from the basket. But if he's going to move away from the basket a little bit more on offense, that is actually going to increase Blake's rebounding numbers. Because mm-hmm. we saw those kind of take a dip when he was forced to play double inside with uh, the Pistons. If they are, if part of the plan here is to kind of move he and Blake in and out, because Blake already will shoot threes, but Drummond hadn't before. I do. I think that's going to be an interesting way to maybe just increase Blake's overall rebounding numbers as the season goes on. So just something to keep an eye out for as more of these centers start to do this. Like we saw it from Brooke Lopez the season before. I'm trying to think there was one other guy we saw all of a sudden shooting threes, and I just can't think of who it was. Anyway, um, Drummond, just is, if he's going to be one of these guys, even if he just shoots 30%, that is going to raise some of his scoring floor as well. Yeah. Brooklyn. I don't know. They're just kind of the same team. A lot of guys that are going to play, you know, not more than 30 minutes a game. I don't see really any other way about it. Are we in for another season of Brooklyn just kind of waiting for an injury thing for Brooklyn? Because otherwise, they're just still doing the hockey line change kind of thing. Yeah, and it's a bad matchup anyway. You know, bottom 10 pace for Detroit, top 10 defensive efficiency last season, top 11, sorry. Uh, So, yeah, you're just not going to need to speculate on the Brooklyn thing too early on. Sure, you might be able to draw some value out here if you have the inside scoop on what Brooklyn's really going to do, say, at the small forward position with Damari Carroll out. 
go for it, you know. <laughs> but I think for right. cash game purposes, you just don't need punts like these. This is like one of the major, you know, especially on FanDuel, DraftKings being a different animal here, but especially on FanDuel where you, you're going to wind up throwing away a position basically every single night uh, to throw out the lowest score. You're going to miss out on a lot of this, these mid-tier guys in the four to $6,000 range just already lose value. And so they need to really be exceptional values to be plays. And I think you're not going to bother speculating on the, you know, Jared Dudley's of the world, unless he's your throwaway player who like might show up and do something. So yeah, that's, that's I had a completely impossible time with, I had a completely impossible time with their minutes How because they just brought yeah. in so okay. many of the, they, they well, and they just brought in more guys that that kind of can play, right? Like they're like, yeah. okay, well, Shabazz Napier is around now, and they now we have Kenneth Fareed here, and Ed Davis is here, and Jared Dudley, and I don't know, they lost some of these guys, but it just seems like they added more guys who could play. So you know, we go down and audit and make sure that we have every single minute and every single shot accounted for for every team uh, within you know every single minute. And then every single shot within reason, uh, but every single minute accounted for. And some teams are easier than others. The Nets are just always so hard, and it didn't seem to get any easier until we saw a game. Because one of those guys will play like one minute, and we're just not exactly sure who it is to start the year. Uh, another game with fantasy implications here. Atlanta goes in and plays the Knicks. Knicks have already announced their starting lineup, and they're going to go very small against Atlanta, which you can do because Atlanta's horrible. But um, they're going to start Trey Burke, Frank Nicotolina, and Tim Hardaway at the one through three with Lance Thomas at the four and then Cantor at the five. Obviously still without Porzingis uh, as he comes back from the ACL tear. Uh, these guys have put up, These guys are very cheap on FanDuel and DraftKings. It really seems like, like the at least the two point guards, and I'm, I'm putting Frank and Burke there together, are going to play a lot of minutes because they have no real guard depth here at all. Um, do we see? Can we just stack both these guys together on, on FanDuel at point guard and call it a day? Is there enough upside on, these, on each of these guys in a matchup against Atlanta? Yeah, potentially. I mean, we saw Nicotelina go off on these price tags last season, like a $3,800 price tag. When he was playing 37, 40 minutes a game against Cleveland there, he was playing 10x on this price. <laughs> so, right. And I don't think you need to just like count on 10x here, but I think you can very safely count on like 6 to 8x. And that's just ridiculous. Like if you can lock up production like that, you're going to do it even in this new fan duel where you could throw a position away. Burke, you know, obviously he's like a little bit more expensive, but he was just such a consistent producer on these price tags. Like if you go back and, you know, it's ancient history now, but around mid-March when he was playing 30 plus minutes a game, you could go weeks and weeks with him not paying five times points per dollar. And you're going to touch games where he does nine X and stuff like that too. So yep. yeah, I mean, actually he has a 12 X against Charlotte. The guy scored 62 fantasy points. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a ridiculous situation. Atlanta, very reasonable matchup for opposing point guards too. So I don't know, just, Seems like more of a mistake. I, I'm I'm so curious. I wish our optimizer was just set up in a way that we could look forward today <laughs> while we're recording yeah. this because it just seems like there's all many, almost too many good plays, and that can give you that like six year stomach feeling where you're like, well, this top lineup doesn't have Nick Talina, but this next one doesn't have Burke, and this one doesn't have any of the Detroit guys. What's going on here? You know, it's just uh, these are two guys that I would really prioritize. Yeah, um, kind of have the, to, right? yeah. the, the usage on Burke. I mean, this guy. This is a guy we see. The guy put up a, a thirty-one shot game. Uh, like he just he <laughs> right. will he will just shoot. He was averaging yeah. even when he wasn't playing crazy minutes. Was averaging you know thirteen to seventeen shots per game. Gets mm-hmm. assist numbers as well. The team is horrible, but the good news is the the, the Hawks are going to probably be the worst team in the whole league. I, like so, they're, they're, even with this injury news, the early line has the Knicks. I mean, how often are the Knicks going to be three and a half point favorites against anybody? 
anybody. That's gonna that's without Porzingis. The answer is not often. Th- yeah. Not often at all. So if these if this is gonna be all of the point guard minutes, and I really think mm-hmm. it is, because really their only other guards off the bench right now are Kevin Knox, the rookie, and I think that's it. So I, like I just think these guys have high floors. Burke especially because of the scoring. Uh, I I really like the situation here. I'm not. You don't need to play Hardaway on, on slates like this. He's just not the guy. Look, if you want to if you want to go, you know, GPP flyer because he gets crazy from threes great from a cash game perspective there's simply absolutely no reason at his price point to do it Cantor, kind of the same way has some huge upside if he just if this is the year that he starts playing 30 minutes a game because they just can because they're going to lose i'm not really sure <laughs> and then i'm wondering your thoughts here on atlanta now they the the, the big news for them was they traded out of the third pick in the draft out of uh Donkic and to get uh trey young which every smart nba analyst said that was just an absolutely terrible move right. and trey young is still Looks like he's, for all purposes, going to play and just lead the team in usage. They had one of the biggest usage guys uh, lead the team in Schroeder. I think all that and more goes to Young. He's young, and he's a rookie, and he's not exactly cheap, but this is a good matchup. And I, if anyone's going to just take all the shots on the Hawks, it really seems like it's going to be Trey Young. Is he a guy that you can go like kind of shoot some upside on early in the season? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, you probably you can always shoot upside on anyone, obviously, and he's talented. The opportunity should be there, but... It just takes a lot to be a six thousand dollar player in the NBA. It's not, it's not super expensive, and it's but it's not cheap either. And when you just have no established baseline for somebody, I just don't. That that's not going to be the type of guy I personally stick my neck out on. I'm not going to do it in cash because it's uncertain. And for big tournaments, a lot of people are going to be willing to take that risk. So why not just do actual contrarian plays like playing players that people are bored of, you know, or just running both the Knicks guys. Like, I'm certainly not going to run him over Burke or Nick Talina to say nothing of all of the other available point guards on the slate. So I don't before think I'm the Knicks, Yeah, before the Knicks news came out, he was a guy that I was going to probably write up as a, as a possible cash game play because he sort of fit this middle tier salary guy that you sometimes need. And a lot of the other names around him did not look all that exciting. And I agree with you that I don't think you need to do it. But what if he just blows? Like, you could just... Get to the NBA, you could be Michael Carter-Williams, right? You can show up and have a lot of time on the court. You're shooting a lot, but it just, like, doesn't work yet. You know, like that. I know he was a, a high pick. He's a fifth overall pick. But, like, there's a lot of players who have been the fifth overall pick that just stink. <laughs> so, I don't I don't know. I, I'll just need to see. It. it won't take long. Like, if he shows me, if he comes out and does, you know, goes 10 for 18 or something in his first game and has some assists and whatever, some steals, then great. Let's go. But just the only, very the, first the only... game, why? The only thing I would say that's different, that that reason that situation is different, is because in the NBA, minutes are king. And I just think he's going to play a lot of minutes. And you cannot be very good. Like, you know, when we get to the end of his career, are we going to say he's a good player or not? I, I, who knows, right? He could be Trey Burke. But there, there's a re- when you just, I think, are probably locked into low minutes, or excuse me, uh, like, you know, low 30s minutes, and a guy that shoots a lot of threes, and he's just, you know, he is an excellent shooter. That's what he came out of college doing. And if he's going to just put up, like, I don't know, 16 to 20 shots per game, which I think is fairly reasonable. If the, if 16 to 20 way, shots is so many shots. Like, how many rookies I, have averaged more than 16 shots a game? I mean, he... I, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I wouldn't be shocked to do it. His preseason numbers had him just ch- completely chucking. Um, like, when he, when he... And his per minute... His per minute thing, they have no other scorers on the team. They want him to shoot all the time. They don't shot care. Shot less than 40% he, from the field. Like, I'm just... All I'm saying is... All I'm saying is the, diff- the reason I'm just saying that you've had 
high draft picks that have not turned out. It's not usually because from a fantasy perspective, it's mostly just because they don't play that many minutes. That's, that's all I'm saying. Well, they wind up losing minutes, minutes because they're not very good. And exactly. And I don't think that's going to be the they case. They won't at least young. probably start the season with that, I'm sure. So like you're saying exactly. that probably there's no safer time for his minutes than right now, if that's exactly. indeed the plan. We don't exactly know, right? Um, they have Jeremy Lin there. They have other guys, but... Yeah, and mostly it was like the point guard was looking very thin to me. But not, and again, sure. the next the, the next thing does solve a lot of that problem. Mm-hmm. The rest of the Hawks can just kind of just go. I mean, this game has a pretty high over under by the way two two thirteen two fourteen thin spread that they see the teams at yeah. least putting up some points. All right, Cleveland goes in and plays Toronto. Cleveland obviously they lost some guy named LeBron James in the offseason. Uh, they drafted Sexton. They are going to they're not going to be the worst team in the league because that's going to be the Hawks and a couple other teams here are pretty bad and they still have. NBA-ish players, um, yeah. and that's probably the only thing that keeps them out of the out of the total basement. And this team is going to be horrible. They're huge underdogs to Toronto going in. Uh, two guys that I wrote up and filling in usage gaps. Uh, obviously, losing LeBron opens up a ton of shots and other things like rebounds and assists for the Cavs. It's not one to one because you're not going to translate all of his stats onto somebody else because he's LeBron James and these guys aren't. Uh, and yet, there is still a lot of shots to go around. And the other team was DeRozan losing or the, the them swapping out DeRozan for Kawhi here. Um, one, are you worried about blowout? Two, do we see just a return to Kevin Love, like mm-hmm. peak Minnesota days where he was just, you know, 24 points, 12 rebounds? He was like a $12,000 player right. <laughs> in those days. Right, Kevin Love's a guy I very much have my eye on for this season. I don't think it'll take long for his price to move because I think – you could see some outlandish stats out of him. Now, he didn't quite have the same swagger in Cleveland. I hate to be like the swag police or whatever, but he just right. didn't seem to have it in that same regard. Like, he just didn't have the confidence he wasn't taking the shots. But he's got to look around now, right, and be like, okay, Kyrie's gone. Good. LeBron's not even on the bench. Who's Who else is supposed to shoot? Rodney? I don't know if I want to pass to him, <laughs> right. you know. And, yeah, I think you're going to see a big-time Kevin Love renaissance. I think you'll see Jordan Clarkson potentially – having a lot of usage when he's out there. And this isn't the game you're going to want to play these guys anyway. No, I agree with you. Um, I think we see Love uh, move into uh, just the highest usage guy on the team. I think we see them u- use him in the post a lot more because that was just what something that they weren't willing to do when they had LeBron because they just want, kind of wanted him to be a 3 and D sort of guy. And um, I, I agree with you. I don't know. The rest of this team is, is just pretty damn bad. They are completely devoid of people who can create their own shot, uh, at least in the start, starting lineup, because they are going to start Hill, Hood, Osman, Love, and Thompson. So uh, there's not a guy in that whole group that can make his own shot. This team's really going to struggle to score. I love Kawhi uh, for Toronto. I think that he is going, this might be, I wouldn't be shocked if this was the lowest we see him for a while in terms of overall pricing. He's less than 10000 on FanDuel to start the season. Um, I know he did not play all year last year, so I completely get that. He, he looks totally healthy if the preseason is any judge. Um, they... His 17.7 shots per game that he took two seasons ago is exactly how many DeRozan took last year, and they both kind of play in that mid-range. I think you can translate almost all the usage onto Kawhi in this offense and other things, you know, like seals and rebounds and assists because he's just a better player than DeRozan straight up. Uh, do you agree with me? Like, are we are we too low? Is he like, or is he just going to see nothing but price increase as the season goes on? I think that I think it's nuts to, that he's only 9600 on, on FanDuel. I definitely don't think it's nuts. Um, I. I feel enthusiastic about his prospects um i think <clears throat> excuse me toronto is a definitively better situation san antonio simply based on the pace uh toronto you know top half of the league san antonio the second slowest pace overall and 
you know, they're also just not shy about jerking around minutes where Toronto culturally has been more comfortable just giving big minutes to their big names. So I think from that perspective, he is in a good situation here. I also just wonder, like from a usage perspective, is it fundamentally that much better of a usage situation for him than it was in San Antonio? Like San Antonio had Aldridge, okay. Toronto has Lowry. I don't think that's too different of a situation. Toronto is still not one of the most blistering teams in the whole NBA. I don't know. It's just like he's never really been a $10,000 player in the past. And I don't know that like we're going to see nothing but pride. He's not going to be. I, I would be really surprised personally if he was a $12,000 player by the end of the season. I don't think he'll step into that hardened plus territory. But uh, yeah, I, I think in the, it's it's reasonable to be optimistic about his future on this price tag. I just don't. Yeah, I don't think I share like the unbridled, clear cut $11,000 player sort of enthusiasm for it. Yeah, I might have overstated a little bit, and I still think that this is way low. Um, I think that right now, for our system's purposes, and I haven't really made any adjustments uh, to his overall usage, except to say, like, translating some of his historical stats, and I think that's pretty fair to do onto this team. Um, just in terms yeah. that I, I think that I don't think it's crazy to say that the Toronto is so much fundamentally different than the Spurs, and just translating some of his historical numbers onto this price in this matchup, um, and the matchup helps him obviously too. We have him as actually from a small forward position. And Fandle, the best overall points per dollar guy, like not the best, you know, uh, big money points per dollar, just the the very best. It's a very weak position as well. So yeah, I would goal. feel I, I feel I feel nervous about hearing that. Like I, I don't, I just think it's you know, I guess I'm a nervous Nelly when it comes to this kind of thing. But it's just a new situation. Like you just have to, unless it's like a demonstrably, obviously better situation. Like if he was going from the Spurs to like, I don't know, the Pelicans and <laughs> there was just no one else around and Anthony Davis had a broken leg or whatever, or a hangnail uh, in his case. I don't know. I, I I like the situation. I'm just not. Yeah, I just don't. I don't think he's a 10, I guess. I think he's like like an eight. I guess my other thing that I really like about him in terms of just like an overall usage and scoring standpoint is that this team doesn't really have much in the way of scoring. Like, they have, the starting lineup stands to be right now, Lowry, Danny mm-hmm. Green, Kawhi, Abaka, and Jonas, right? Um, there are not a lot of just pure scorers on this team. And they have some guys on the bench, like Van Vliet, they have, uh, Dylan Wright's hurt, but, um, you know, they have some shooters, like Miles, but this is mostly a defensive team that is going to rely, like last year relied on DeRozan uh, to score a lot of points. And that, I, I just see, I don't know. I just, I like them. And the other thing too, is from a minutes perspective, um, I'm Toronto's modus operandi right now is to like make Kawhi very happy to be here so that he resigns with them. And True. I think the way to do that is also to have a culture of winning and also kind of get yours, right? <laughs> From like a stats perspective. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think that there's a lot of narrative that feeds into him playing a lot. I think there's a lot of narrative that feeds into him shooting a lot and just take and just kind of being the guy on the team. I don't know. I'm, I'm higher than you. Maybe I shouldn't have said it's nuts to the price. Maybe that's overstating it. I'm very, very high on Kawhi's season this year. Um, I think we are still buying low. Uh, on his price tag, even though he's like you know right around a ten thousand dollar player, the game uh, that we're gonna have a lot of focus on as well: New Orleans and Houston. It's eight oh five Eastern game, uh, biggest over under of the day by far two twenty eight and a half right now. Houston seven and a half point favorites. Uh, they are coming into the season with a lot of overhaul. They uh, gone are Ariza and Ryan Anderson. 
Um, in is James Enos and Carmelo, Marquise Chris, although I don't think he's going to play. Uh, there's one other guy I'm missing in terms of who turned over. Uh, but it looks like, for all intents and purposes, this is still the Harden show. Um, they're going to start P.J. Tucker here at Power Forward, and Chris Paul obviously there as well, with Eric Gordon coming off the bench. Uh, Harden, is he just the big money guy to play for? Is this, like, is this like an easy call in the new world order, and especially knowing there's cheap guys? Of the high-priced guys, is Harden... Does Harden have the highest floor of, of all those guys tonight? I believe so. I, I think the Mellow addition doesn't really hurt him very much. Uh, we saw Mellow being willing to play third or worse fiddle last season, and I think that's a very nice situation for him here too. Um, New Orleans played the fastest of any team in the whole NBA last season. They played middle-of-the-road defense, uh, but they're somewhat weak defending the point guard position. Yeah, I, and, and I, they're just weak defending guards in general. And so they're going to have their hands absolutely full with both Paul and Harden. So, yeah, I, I think Harden's a fantastic play. I guess a semi-concerned with the mouth defeat situation here, like Paul, Harden, Mello, you're starting to stack up. I know these guys are in different stages in their development. Um, but, yeah, they're starting to stack up some potential for a usage downgrade on Harden going forward. That being said, sub-12,000. Yeah, just seems like a great spot. And you're just going to have to pay up for someone, right? So uh, as you're giving that whole list, then like all the list of the big money guys, he'll be among that top group for sure. Yep, I think that he's he'll probably, among the high-priced guys, will be the highest owned. I think it'll end up being correct. Uh, he's 11-7 on FanDuel. Uh, I just don't see a reason to get away from him. Paul, I'm always worried about a little bit about like guys like his minutes early in the season. We saw what happened when he started playing big minutes. And then the mm-hmm. year he just got hurt in the playoffs. It cost him the championship, probably. And so, um, now again, it's like one thing, but he's just oft injured. And I just don't, there's no reason they're going to extend him. I don't think too much. Uh, Western Conference is probably a little tougher this year, so maybe they f- will feel the need to make sure he plays. I'm a little concerned that this team is like not nearly as good as they were last year, losing Ariza, losing Mamba Mute. Uh, I know mm-hmm. the, the latter didn't play as much. I don't feel like they made huge – they definitely made, didn't make any improvements, I don't think. I think at best they're going to be the same. I, probably There's probably some regression coming for them. Uh, as the season goes on. Uh, but then New Orleans also went through some transition of their own here. They are they brought in Julius Randle in the offseason. He looks like he's going to start a power forward with Miritich coming off the bench. Uh, they now have Alfred Payton at point guard. Never been known to play defense. Is a guy that I just don't know why teams kind of keep recycling. him. I guess, you know, there's people still think the pedigree is going to be there. No team has seemed to want him uh, up to this point, but he's gonna uh, he's gonna play point guard. What do we think about this team? That's a lot of turnover for a starting lineup that had Anthony Davis as basically the best fantasy player of all time down the stretch last season for like the last month or whatever. Yep. Um, is there so much turnover here that it's hard to project exactly where it goes? Because again, this is like sixty percent of the starting lineup with guys who have shown at least the ability to fill it up from a stat sheet point of view. And when stats go one place, they usually can't go the other. How, how do we want to project this kind of, this New Orleans team uh, knowing that they are looking a little different than last year? Yeah, so I think for starters, Brow is still going to be a great play going forward. Not clear that you want to play him as a heavy dog here against Houston. Uh, just kind of why bother sometimes when it comes to bigs as underdogs. They can tend to lose minutes quickly. Uh, they aren't as involved in the offense when things are going poorly as well. So maybe you don't want to be there exactly. You have to think Brow is going to be pretty damn motivated. You have to think New Orleans will want to put the best foot forward. They've shown a tendency to want to play him big minutes in the past. So, yeah, I don't think it's absurd. Um, The point guard situation, I'm I'm mostly just curious to see how it plays out. I definitely don't think you need to jam Alfred Payton at 6,700. Like, that just seems like, (laughs) when has he really sustained this kind of price tag in the past on any sort of consistent basis? Like, he's basically needed 38-plus minutes 
in New Orleans has this history of kind of oddly splitting point guard time. Now, part of that's personnel-based, right? They had Rondo, uh, who has his own limitations, to say nothing of the headaches he can cause for a team. But uh, part of that might be cultural, too. So I think we can take a wait and see here in a game where they're heavy underdogs. I do think it'd be pretty reasonable to speculate that the guys like Holiday, Davis, their minutes and usage aren't going to go anywhere. Uh, you could even take a flyer on someone like Etwan Moore. I think that he, you know, just based again based on that incredible usage we were seeing from him in the playoffs last season, it'd be hard for him to be horrendous on this price tag. But you probably just don't need to do it either. So that's my my general Pelicans take right now. I think Brow's just not a guy I really want to play with, pay overpay on this. Like I think I'd rather play. Mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely rather play Harden in, sure. in, in that same price tier. Maybe even Giannis too. I just, I'm just a little worried that these guys like Randall and Peyton don't help him from a fantasy perspective. That's all I mean by that. Like I don't, does they make the team better or worse? Um, it's probably just lateral moves both ways. But from a fantasy perspective, I just don't see how they help Davis just do what he was doing down the stretch, which was like maintaining a $13,000 salary or something like that. I think that's mostly that's mostly where I land. I stand to be proven wrong with it. Um, and I just don't think, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked that his price came down a little bit because these guys siphoned off some rebounds, siphoned off some other stuff, some blocks, some interior stuff, uh, just because they have been known to do that. And again, these are... There's, you're somewhat hard-capped on some of those stats. There's only so mm-hmm. much to go around uh, when it's all said and done. Uh, moving into some of the more evening games, Minnesota goes in and plays San Antonio. Obviously, the big news for Minnesota is that Jimmy Butler hates being there, hates every single person on the team, called everybody out. It's been a huge disaster for them in the offseason. He demands a trade. They say they're going to trade him. They don't trade him. He's going to start. Uh, <laughs> I just don't even know like what to do with this team. It probably helps that they're a team that didn't go through much change and all of them are priced fairly against the San Antonio team that you really never want to roster anyone against. So yep. I just, I think that probably, that, I mean, does that pretty much sum up some their situation up yeah, here? Yeah, it's a hard I pass. I don't, I don't see yeah. any reason to play anyone against San Antonio almost ever. Uh, if, I, it would be a trickier discussion if we, it was like the Knicks point guards against San Antonio, but no, not on this team where basically nothing's changed. Um, and then we get San Antonio. They bring in DeRozan in the offseason. They have some real big-time point guard issues because they lost Deontay Murray. Uh, and they also lost Derek White. And so now they're left with basically Patty Mills and Bryn Forbes essentially as like the only two guys that really can play point guard unless there's something I'm missing here. Uh, they've been decimated at that position. I, I, Patty Mills is a guy that when he started, our system never seen a day where Patty Mills at 27 minutes isn't like isn't everywhere a guy. I'm thankful yeah. that there's some other cheaper guys here. Um, is San Antonio a team that you want to take a wait and see, especially with DeRozan moving into that? I was going to say moving into the Kawhi role, but that's not even correct because Kawhi didn't even play last year. So I can- Yeah, so it's a, it's a funny team right now. I think Mills is definitely playable at 4,500. I mean, we saw in that closing series against Golden State last season, he was playing 32 to 36 minutes and paying value on this price tag uh, with everything on the line. So I think it stands to reason that given that they haven't really added anyone, I think they're pretty unexcited by Bryn Forbes based on their usage of him in the past. Yeah, I think Mills is a is definitely a guy who you could play in cash games if for some reason, say, the Knicks situation didn't work out. Where DeRozan fits in this lineup is a very, very big point of curiosity to me because DeRozan is like kind of like a quintessential ball stopper, and he takes the ball in his hands a really long time. He's always towards the top of the league in terms of time of possession and almost always at the very top if you just count pure shooting guards and not like hybrid types like James Harden. So uh, he likes to bounce the ball around in the lane, you know, work his way down, take those two-pointers. They tolerated it in Toronto. I'm just not sure if Pop is going to want to watch possessions like that as often as they were willing to deal with it in Toronto. So I'm just mostly very curious to see where he ends up. 
I think his price tag is very fair based on his Toronto usage when he did have the ball in his hands effectively nonstop. And San Antonio, it might be a little bit of a different routine. You know, we saw guys like Aldridge go from being a $10,000 player to an $8,000 player just by virtue of showing up in a more team-oriented offense. So does Rosen get the same treatment, fall down to the 7,000s? That's kind of where I would project it, but I'm still, I'll keep an open mind about it, but I'm not going to take a risk on him early either. It's so funny because they just walk into the season sort of in the same situation they were last year was they just have a, in, in the current modern day NBA, they don't have a single guy. Yep. I mean, I guess you can give Patty Mills, but they really don't have a single guy that shoots threes. Yeah, like, but the Rosen and Aldrich are just long two to mid-range two guys. Like, <laughs> There's not much I watch for in the preseason mm-hmm. except for things like this, like like fundamental differences in a way a guy plays. Like I said, like Drummond taking threes. That's a huge difference. Um, yeah, right? sure. Like It's just like a thing he's Yeah, we saw that with Boogie last before. year, right? And it played out. Uh, Exactly. Like, and then I was really, I was like, okay, well, will this be the year that DeRozan starts taking threes? He took seven total in like a hundred and hundred minutes um, in a preseason. So at least from a preseason standpoint, that does not seem like it's going to be playing. It seems like it's going to be a lot of like the long two game for San Antonio. I'm just not seeing it. I think we see price drops in some of these guys, and then maybe there's a time to buy when there's an injury. Utah goes into Sacramento. I very want to just say skip to this because Sacramento. They bring it badly. He's going to start. It's a terrible matchup. Is there anything? Yeah. I, I, can we just move on for this? Because we're, we're going to start running long. If we start <laughs> about the Utah's a little no, I think we can we can skip it. Sacramento incredibly goes down to the slowest team in the league last season. So, you know, two bottom five pace teams. Not a lot of excitement here at all. And like I said, they have Bagley. We'll be interested to see what happens with him. And um, I'll just take a wait and see if they're ever going to play their guys' minutes. This could be just another year in the tank for them. I don't know what incentive they would have to do it any other way. Um Interesting game, though, for the late slate, Dallas and Phoenix. Phoenix actually minus one-and-a-half point favorites against Dallas right now. So Dallas, big news here. They get Doncic in the the offseason with the trade that probably is going to – really seems like they're going to win that trade. Um, Harrison Barnes is out to start the year. They're going to face a Phoenix team that played really fast-paced and no defense last year. This game has a huge huge over-under. Looks like it's going to be pretty close. Where do we stand with like stacking some of these uh, some of these Dallas guys with no Barnes? I mean Dennis Smith. I mean the rookie Doncic. I mean, do we want to go there? They did bring in uh, DeAndre Jordan in the offseason to kind of stop shore up that center role. This is a team that does look very different, but they get like this one of the best matchups you can get. How much do you want to stick your neck out knowing that they, <laughs> you know you don't often get to play the Suns, and that's especially yeah. with the guy with like, a usage guy with injuries. Oh, I wish it was like any other team except Dallas playing the Suns today because Dallas. Like, how many times in the past have we tried to run Dallas guys only to be just totally confused and devastated by the way they deploy their players or guys like Wesley Matthews being out there for a million minutes and doing nothing anyway in the big matchup? It's, like, such a painful team to roster outside of, like, the odd J.J. Barea uh, guys that you can just throw in there and kind of see what happens. I don't know. I mean, I think Dennis Smith Jr., he was fair on that price tag last year. Putting him in the best possible matchup from last year can't possibly hurt. I don't know that I want to touch the shooting guard situation until I know what the plan is in regular season play. Uh, Luca looks like a big prospect, sixty seven hundred though. Like it just seems like it seems like you're being punished for wanting to dream on the upside of young players, basically. And that doesn't feel like where I want to land. Uh, the actual fill-ins for Barnes in the past have always been rather uninspiring too. Doreen Finney-Smith, like. Who I'm not worried cares. about those guys mostly because, like, I'm most not worried about those guys mostly because of Doncic, right? Like, like I think that's that's where I kind of stand in terms of like, yes, I don't care about those guys at all. One thing that I'm encouraged about with Dallas is I actually think from a minutes. So we were always kind of weird on the minutes with them, right? 
this, because they're, you know, especially near the end of the season where they're tanking. This is a team, I think, that thinks they can win. And I think that makes a big difference. This is a team like that has an NBA caliber starting five when everyone is healthy, right? The, the addition of Jordan signals that, right? They say, you don't bring in DeAndre Jordan unless you're trying to actually do something like make the playoffs. And I think that from that standpoint, I, when I was giving their minutes an audit, I was very bullish on their starters' minutes hmm. because, okay. um, because again, you don't you don't make these you don't you get an NBA ready guy in Doncic right away, and then you get DeAndre Jordan, who again, like you you don't bring him in unless you want to win. So I think do, if we saw a normalization around their starters' minutes, like we saw a little bit less of Dirk, way less of like the, the Max Klebers of the world and <laughs> Finney Smiths and all the, all these yeah, other yeah. you know Dwight Powell's, I I would not be shocked if we started seeing just very steady rotations out of that starting five. And if that's the case, then some of them might be priced too low, especially when we're looking at an injury to a guy that had a lot of usage. So I think that's where I want to be bullish. And like I said, this is just a fantastic matchup. Not that I think the, the Mavs are going to be good, but I think they're going to try to be good. And for the minute, from a minutes perspective, that's that's really just what wins the day in DFS. Um, the On the flip side of the ball, Suns are favorites here. They are going to walk into the season with Devin Booker as their point guard. It looks like he is going to play. He was hurt for the preseason, but I think he's going to walk out there and play. They bring in Aiton with the first overall pick. It looks like he's going to be an absolute star, uh, just from at least from a fantasy perspective. They're going to start Trevor Ariza and Ryan Anderson. This is a team with mm-hmm. a huge turnover as well. Three of the six guys, excuse me, six, Jesus, three of five guys that you start in basketball um, are, are different on this team with TJ Warren moving back to the bench. A lot of points. Dallas looks like it's going to probably try to play faster with this team. Uh, that's a team that's set up to play faster, not like they did in the past. What do we want to do? And we know they're favorites. Do we want to stick our neck out next out for any of these Suns guys? Oh, uh, probably not. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tricky situation. I, I didn't get to mention, just I actually do really like DeAndre Jordan in this matchup. Like you, you mentioned him coming over, but 7,500 seems very fair. I think he was potentially underutilized in his past stops too. So I, I do like him. Man, going up against Dallas, like these are just another one of those matchups. Year in, year out, Dallas is a bottom four pace team. Now, interestingly, last season, they were also a terrible defensive efficiency team, so it sort of came out in the wash. But this season, given that they've added you know, good defensive pieces like Jordan, it's hard to believe that that will stay the same. Like I think they'll be just as slow but better defensively. And that means that you're going to need an awful lot of increase in opportunity in order for me to be interested. Um, guys like Ryan Anderson, when they've started in the past, listen, this guy can put up points in bunches when uh, the shot's falling and so forth. But he's also older. He's been much worse on a points-per-minute basis, a fantasy points-per-minute basis recently. I don't know. I, like, Is there something about the Suns team that you really love that I'm not seeing? Because just going up against Dallas is typically a non-starter for me. I do think Dallas will play faster, so I think that that I, I think that the pace we saw for them last year will not be the pace this year. But it was the um, same pace that they saw like multiple years, like for multiple years. It wasn't just last year. But you think that just this new team, like what is it about this new team that makes you think they'll come up? Because we're talking like at because least one, a three-year stretch of the bottom two pace team. I think we're going to see less possessions for Harrison Barnes, which was a big thing that slowed down their pace um, in the offensive sets when they would get him. I think he's just going to touch the ball less. Um, I think that they have a team that's set up for quick possessions, like in terms of like how well, especially Donkish can pass. And so um, I think, and then the way that they're going to use Jordan too, like they're just like rim running and stuff like that. I think that, I just don't think they're, I don't think they're going to be slower than last year. Are they going to be demonstrably faster? I don't know, but I just don't think they're going to be slower than last year. I'm, I th- these guys are mostly fairly priced because uh, the Suns guys, at least, because we saw 
pretty steady opportunity from them last season. And that has been, that's really kind of the theme for these first couple days. If you had steady opportunity last year, then you are not going to be a bargain going into day one of the NBA. And that's really the only thing that's stopping me mm-hmm. from like wanting to use them all that much, like 7,200 on FanDuel for Aiden. I, I mean, it's just too expensive, right? Like, are they going to play these guys a lot of minutes? Maybe. They actually are a little deeper this year, the Suns are, and I think that they don't see themselves as being able to win right away, although the Ariza and Anderson thing maybe signaled that they're trying to do something. They're going to be horrible on defense. I think think that's going to be because Ryan Anderson is just about as bad as it gets. Anyway, I'm being long-winded in saying uh, I'll probably just take a wait-and-see approach on, on the Suns. Um, and I think, I think it's interesting their favorite. I think it's, uh, they're, they're definitely going to be able to score. All right, last game uh, going into here, and my thing just reset. Denver goes in and plays the Clippers. This is another one, huge over under 20, 226. That's second only to the Houston-New Orleans game. Uh, minus one road favorites for Denver. Denver comes in with much of the same team. They're going to start Barton at the three now. Uh, I think that we probably see more minutes out of Jokic. Do we see more of a concentration on Denver? Denver's problem always seemed to be last year was they just didn't understand to, that they were, didn't play Jokic enough. Like I don't. I think there's really no other way to put it. Like there were just times where he sat for long stretches because um, Mike Malone was trying to make some point about his play or whatever. They really can't afford to do things like this anymore. Where does he come in in terms of these big money guys? Because we've seen him be able to sustain almost like triple doubles, um, <laughs> like from a daily when he when he sees enough minutes. Is he in this class of guys that you want to just? really really pay up for especially early in the season he's sub 10,000 on 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 uh FanDuel is he just like a huge bargain sub 10,000 because we we see him sustaining like a 10 5 11,000 price when it's all said and done if the minutes are there I think he is just an absurd bargain to be honest with you uh in the last eight games he paid 5x points per dollar on this price in each of them uh and again some legitimate defenses slow teams like he for all intents and purposes is a mortal lock for a double double <laughs> in, in any given night, and he's also chipping in assists. I mean, four of his last five, three of his last four games, sorry, uh, he had nine or more assists. So they're going to run the offense through him. He just this just seems like a mistake in early season pricing. Another one of those weird algorithm things, like the Blake Griffin thing. Yes, he, he's much much too cheap right now. I think. Uh, the Clippers are going to start Marcin Gratat instead of DeAndre Jordan. They're kind of running back most mm. of the team. I think it. I think it definitely helps Jokic that he just has another shooter in Barton on the court with him. Um, they. I'm t- struggling. Who? Oh, Wilson Chandler was the small forward last year, uh, who was kind of just in and out. This is just a good offensive team. It would be yeah. crazy for me to think that Jokic plays less than like they, they'd be. It'd be just. Uh, What's the word? What's the word when saying? But negligent, I think. Um, malpractice if he played less than like 36 <laughs> minutes a game this year. Uh, just because. Unless just it was so an injury good. related thing. Yeah. But it, it never was last year. It was because he was doing things wrong or whatever. Like he looked like his nose is stuffy. I don't know what it, like the thing is that like made Mike Malone not want to play him. But these games where he played like 28, 29 minutes is just so terrible. They simply, I don't think, can't do, cannot do it. It's probably one of the reasons they just barely missed the playoffs last year. Uh, so I, I like Denver. Most of the rest of these guys are pretty fairly priced as far as I'm concerned concern because their opportunities haven't really changed uh, we could see a lot of minutes out of jamal murray with isaiah thomas out though monte morris did play a lot of preseason minutes at the, at the point guard and then the clippers they turned over deandre into marcin most of the, the rest of this team is set they do get patrick beverly back uh they traded away wesley johnson so they're pretty small here at the small forward uh Mabah mute is gonna not is gonna sit to start the year do we see a lot of minutes out of these starters because their bench their bench is very, very thin. After you get past the starting guys here, especially at the three and the four, they really don't have anybody except for like Mike Scott uh, to, to yeah. back up Gallinari and, and Tobias Harris. Could we just see you know mid thirties minutes right away from some of these Clippers guys? I think so. I think it's a team that doesn't have a shortage of guys that have produced when given opportunity in the past. 
like you said, guys like Harris, Gallinari, hashtag revenge game as well. Uh, even Lou Williams, you know, Lou Williams was pushing $8,000 price tags when he was getting consistent minutes, even off the bench. And I don't know what's changed about this team that should stop that. Uh, you know, he missed the last few games of the season, but there was a good stretch where he was playing mid-30s minutes and putting up 35 to 50 fantasy points a game. So a uh, good fast matchup with Denver. I definitely think these Clippers guys are playable here. Yep, and this is, again, the big over-under. So teams, uh, excuse me, Vegas does not see a lot of defense being played on either side of the ball here, a game that should stay close. Uh, it'll be interesting to pick it out. And like we said, I think we see Jokic is one of just the very best bargains of the day. All right, I think we covered it about an hour into like Whew. close to Megapod status for the Wednesday opening slate here, NBA. Uh, we will be back uh, talking NBA as much as possible during the week. Our NFL podcast is up as well. DFSR.com slash deals will get you started. Optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NBA. NFL, it's all covered under one subscription. Free one-week trial, by the way. Big NBA special right now. Free one-week trial on the site. So you can check that out and get seven days. You get football and basketball. That's pretty nuts. All right, so you heard it there. DFSR.com slash deals. Get started, buddy. Big Wednesday in basketball, the first one of many. Let's get it going. Talk to you uh, sometime later. Probably Friday when we do our next NBA podcast. Yeah. Now at Napa Auto Parts Stores and Napa Auto Care Centers, get a $20 prepaid Visa gift card when you buy oil, air, and cabin air filters. Because let's be honest, you probably don't remember the last time you changed them. So buy all three filters at your local Napa and get 20 bucks back. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts Stores and Napa Auto Care Centers, limit two prepaid cards per household while supplies last. Offer ends 10 19 Welcome to Sherwin-Williams. Hi there. I heard paints are 30% off. Yep, and stains too. Right here. Mm-hmm. Only at your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store. Right now? Well, August 29th through September 9th. Ah, bring it in. I'm a big hugger. It's cool. Ask Sherwin-Williams August 29th through September 9th and save 30% on paints and stains with sale prices starting at $26.94. Only at your local Sherwin-Williams store. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details.